Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control from Happy Mammoth. Estro Control contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including Estro Control. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now look, y'all, it is crazy outside. There's all kinds of stuff going on. If you are working a nine to five, you're probably stressed out about keeping your nine to five. If you don't have a nine to five, you're probably in the middle of trying to get a new nine to five. Or maybe you made the crazy leap to be a full-time entrepreneur like me. You got the world on fire all around you in the middle of election year. A lot of stuff going on. It's just, it's absolutely nuts, right? It's nuts outside. And I could definitely see, I'll, let's speak for me. Look, for me, I know I be going to therapy on a regular basis. I believe in therapy. All right. Hashtag uh, black folks need therapy. Hashtag we all need therapy. We all need it. And for me, I can say if it wasn't for therapy being like an ongoing maintenance tool in my toolkit to help me stay level and help me realize that I'm okay, everything around me is okay, here's what I can control, that has been critical for me. And I would hope that if you have thought about therapy and if, or if you haven't thought about therapy, shoot, let's say you're like, like I ain't got time for therapy, I got, I'm too busy trying to make sure that these plates keep on spinning. I hope that you check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online. It's completely convenient, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, keyword licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge, which is incredible. It's very challenging to move around and find the right therapist for you. The fact that BetterHelp is providing that as just part of your experience is incredible. So find your support Get the help you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Corp today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Corp, C-O-R-P. The fact that African-American founders have limited access to investment has been well documented. But you might not know that that problem is replicated in the venture capital world too. In recent years, Several black-owned or directed VC funds and firms have opened their doors with a focus on minority and women-owned businesses. But as it turns out, many VCs are hitting the same obstacles as the founders they're trying to invest in, access to capital. According to PitchBook, American VC funds raised approximately $40.6 billion in 2016, with this year on course to make 2017 the fourth consecutive year with more than $40 billion raised. But with less than 3% of VC funds employing Black and Latinx investment professionals, only a small fraction of that sum will find its way to businesses owned or run by people of color. This excerpt is from Barry A. Williams' article, One Reason Black Founders Don't Get Enough Funding, 
black VCs don't either, and explains the methods that entrepreneurs of color employ to support their startups, none of them nearly as effective as their white counterparts. The data doesn't lie. Less than 3% of all VC funding goes to entrepreneurs of color. In a world that is more empowered now than ever before to pursue entrepreneurial ventures, what can people of color do to garner the financial support they need? My name is Ade, and this is Living Corporate. Money, 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 money. Money. Child, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> what? <laughs> Listen, today is all about the lack of diversity in venture capital, specifically the reality that there's a huge disparity in the distribution of funds between white and black and brown entrepreneurs. So it comes down to. Oh, right. Money. Okay. All right. Capital. I'm with you now. Well, you're right. I mean, we live in a capitalistic society. We need money to do anything. So money is the life of startups. Yep. And you know what? I have an excerpt from an article I want to share. This is from Megan Rose Dickey of TechCrunch called Venture Capital's Diversity Disaster. Here we go. Quote, just 1% of venture capitalists are Latinx. Only 3% are black. White people, unsurprisingly, make up 70% of the venture capital industry according to a recent analysis by Richard Kirby, a partner at Equal Ventures. Compared to Kirby's 2016 analysis, women now make up 18% of the VC industry versus just 11% back then. At an intersectional level, black and Latinx women make up 0% of the venture capital industry, end quote. So this is talking about the industry, whereas your initial commentary was about VC recipients, but I would contend that the lack of diversity within the industry supports the disparate funding between white and ethnic minorities, especially women of color. Right. And to be clear, minorities are out here. Like, we are out here pursuing entrepreneurship and we do seek funding for our startups. I know we've been sharing articles throughout the show, but I have another one. This excerpt is from a Forbes article written by Daniel Applewhite called Founders and Venture Capital, Racism is Costing Us Billions. So it says, in 2016, the Center for Global Policy Solutions reported that due to discriminatory financing practices and a bias towards companies primarily operated by white males, America is losing out on over 1.1 million minority-owned businesses, and as a result, foregoing over 9 million potential jobs and $300 billion in collective national income. Less than 1% of American venture capital-backed founders are black, and the percentage of blacks in decision-making roles within venture capital isn't much better. Pattern recognition has enabled VCs to mitigate risk, but has also limited their profit potential and created an inherent funding bias. This bias stems from barriers to early stage capital, a lack of representation in the investing space, and is perpetuated by systems of racism that destroy opportunities within communities of color. So having read all that, wouldn't it be great if we could get someone, maybe a person of color, a woman of color even, who has created a nonprofit organization specifically built to acquire VC for ethnic minority-owned businesses? I, that's very, very specific. But I mean, if we could get Jay Burns on here, if we get if we could get Dre McKesson on here. I feel like, you know, big things popping. We can be a little picky. What you feel? I feel you, and I think you mean our guest. Uh, owner of Black Girl Ventures, Shelly Bell. 
Sound man, come on, drop them on in there. Let's go. All right, all right, still extra. <laughs> Next up, we're gonna get into our interview with our guest Shelly Bell. Hope y'all enjoy. And we're back. And as we said before the break, we have Shelly Bell, founder of Black Girl Ventures. Shelly, welcome to the show. How are you? Hi, thank you. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really good. So, look, I feel as if you have one of the most straightforward organization names out there. But talk to us about how Black Girl Ventures came about and what was the inspiration behind it? So at Black Girl Ventures, we work to create access to capital for black and brown women entrepreneurs. Um, It started because I'm an entrepreneur myself. I have a couple of my own ventures. Um, My mom invested in me, and I really hit the ground running and building my T-shirt line called Made by a Black Woman, uh, which fed into me actually starting my own print shop um, called Miss Print USA, and I was grinding so hard at that. But I realized that during the process of me being on my grind, I didn't have a community. And so I'm an artist. I've done performance poetry. And so through that, I had done a lot of community building. So I'm like, hey, you know what? I know how to build community. I know how to bring people together. Why don't we just throw an event together and give the money away? Because at this time, a lot of the news was coming out about women not having access to capital. And I'm like, hey, this is a simple solution. So when I started it, it was really just a matter of bringing people together, um, everybody throwing some money into the pot. And then that's creating, um, you know, some capital for a women entrepreneur. The first one, I barely even marketed it. We had about 30 women in the house in Southeast D.C. We got together. I cooked all the food myself, which I would never do again. And we um, we have about four women pitch. We voted with, like, marbles and coffee cups. Like, I put each person's, like, name in a coffee cup. And then after they did their pitch, we had everybody in the audience ask questions. Um, and then vote by using their marble. Um, so, And we just gave the money right back at, out in cash at that time. Like, I wasn't even thinking that it would be as huge as it's become. Now here we are two years later, um, over 20,000 people in our audience. We were, we're in three states, um, D.C., Philly, and Baltimore. I'm sorry, three in three. Yeah, three states, but three cities, D.C., Baltimore, and Philly. Uh, we're about to do in the fall, we have Chicago. Atlanta and in another DC and we're in conversation with a lot of the small to mid-sized cities about coming there next year we're talking to people in Kansas City we're talking to people in Durham and Memphis New Orleans um, Albuquerque Salt Lake City because the larger cities we found are some really great like validators to say oh we did New York we did Chicago we did um, DC we did Atlanta but really we're looking at like where do people have the most need uh, with the least like activity that is culturally centered for them. That's amazing. I, and I'm, again, I'm just so excited that you're here. You know, I'm curious, what are some of the common misconceptions about venture capital that black girl venture seeks to clarify? Yeah. So common misconceptions about venture capital. Huh? And I'm not, like, I'm not exactly sure that I would say there's common misconceptions about venture capital per se maybe this like venture capital has become very sexy um and i think that people just don't understand uh who should get it why why they give it like venture capitalists want to make money 
Like, that's it. Like, the center that they are centered around, how can your thing bring return? Um, and if you are not um, so hardcore about that on your business, then you, you're going to have a long road to go with venture capital. It's not grant capital. It's not a loan. Uh, well, I mean, there's different kinds of, of uh, deals that can be what you call a convertible note, which is basically a loan and follow on and some other investment <laughs> jargon. But um, <laughs> but ultimately, you should just know that it's about the returns. Like, can you give re- return on investment? Um, it fat and fairly quick, you know. But quick in this sense means, you know, five years, three to five years. Like it's a long game, too. Um, but the, the the people want to see that the potential for returns are there. So, in building out Black Girl Ventures, at what point did you realize, like, wow, this is a this is really significant. Like this has this has some serious traction to it. Um, probably, ooh. I would say the beginning of 2017, um, I had a volunteer team of seven people uh, where we decided to do it quarterly. Um, and the first one we did, it was in March of 2017, and and we started getting in applications at that time. Um, and so we got a nice amount of applications with low amount of marketing because, again, like we're just I'm just kind of throwing it out there. My network and the word of mouth being spread. Um, over the course of the year, just seeing the movement grow and grow and grow, and then seeing winning um, Entrepreneur of the Year for 2017 for Technically DC, and the the people who voted for that. I, w- I mean, just like, I think the reaction from the women we serve is really was has caused me to be like, wow, like, we're really doing something. Like, our Baltimore winner from October of 2017, she, uh, when she won, she cried. We did we, we did uh, stop by Southwest and the girl who won she cried for like five minutes and they're and the things that they're saying to me is that sometimes this is their maybe their first win um, to is is coming into a place where you're where a group of people are supporting you and like a group of people are just there to support you a space that is created for you um, and an audience of people who are there to support you. So I think like as the as the the audience has grown and as our traction has grown and the feedback that we're getting back, I'm just like, wow, okay. So we're not stopping this. <laughs> like we are, we're gonna keep going. Um, yeah, just just seeing the reaction from the audience, seeing the reaction from the people that are pitching has been the thing. So how important would you? How how important would you say resilience is for those who are seeking venture capital and really uh, seeking to engage that space as some uh, people who are seeking uh, to to gain capital? It's everything. I mean, resilience is it. Like, there's nothing else. <laughs> um, because you got to keep pushing. You want to keep um, refining your idea or your business. Um, to to get to know where those returns are coming back. And venture capital is not for everybody. So, you know, you could be the person that needs to crowdfund. You can be the person that needs a loan. You could be the person that needs to focus on customer acquisition. Um, venture capital may or may not be the thing for you. I think, it, again, like I said, it become, it's become sexy now because you can get a large amount of money at once. But at the same time, you know, you're building a really 
uh, a relationship where you have to you have to make sure that you're giving re- that the returns are coming back. So I mean, it's the resilience comes when you get a no, you know, like a no, that's not going to work for me, or a no, I don't think that's the, the you know that idea is going to bring returns, or no, you know, no's are kind of hard to get uh, when you're in need. So when you're like really want needing the money to get to a certain place, and you feel like you just can't get it. Um, when you're focused on venture capital in particular, it can be hard. And especially because like, there's a lot of translation work that needs to be done. There's a lot of, um, cultural misunderstanding, um, between like VCs and, and entrepreneurs. There's still a lot of work to be done on like, you know, uh, women getting investment and then, uh, women of color getting invested in and, and like diversity and inclusion when it comes to people's portfolios because the pattern that has been consistently matched is white male who can sleep on couches for moms and, right. you know, not eat to build a business. Right. And so people, you know, venture capitalists have traditionally said, okay, this is the model for who builds successful companies. I think we're seeing that shift a little bit with the rise in investment in the beauty industry for um, black women in particular. Um, I think that we're going to see a shift more as more people start pushing out that like, hey, you know, these industries and even even black and brown folks that own tech companies can also be invested in and show returns. And that like the only pattern we're I think we're going to start seeing a showcasing a new pattern to match which is one of the things that we at Black Girl Avengers are passionate about is saying like, hey, yes, the white guy that sleeps on couches for months, goes home and doesn't eat and builds a major tech company, yes, that's one pattern, and that has worked. But also is the, you know, black woman straight out of college who um, has been working on her idea, you know, the entire time. Also is the, you know, woman of color in general who has, you know, pulled together as much money as she can from her family and her community to put into her idea and is now seeing, you know, 3X, 5X, 10X returns. Like, also is the beauty business, uh, the beauty industry, also is the feminine care industry. Also, you know, so I think, like, also is the hair industry, also is the the, the um, <clears throat> child care. And, you know, like, I think right. that as we, the health care industry, you know, I think that as we, our, when we, as many people as we can push out into the open um, that are doing different kinds of businesses, that also can show returns, that also can match up um, to what VCs are looking for, we can start to create a new pattern for people to match. So, you know, I wanted to ask this a little bit earlier, but I um, I'm, I don't want to end this interview without asking now. So I what really caught my eye about making sure that we wanted to have you on the show was a blog post that you wrote on Medium where someone reached out to you and said, okay, you have Black Girl Ventures what would how would you feel if it was white male ventures would you mind talking about the blog that you wrote in response to that and i believe it got a got a ton of traction would you mind just talking a little bit more about that particular piece yeah so i was on on bumble the dating app and um looking for dates (laughs) and (laughs) i um and i swiped this white guy right he swipes me right um, you know, on Bumble, you know, women have to do the initial, um, greeting. Um, so I okay. greet him and then he comes back and says, uh, oh, well, 
if I started a, a company called White Male Ventures, you would go eight. <laughs> and my reply to him was, um, no, that would be venture capital. Have you seen who's getting it? And he said some other rude things, but not before I could get it. He deleted the thread, but not before I could get a screenshot of the message. <laughs> and so I was just, something was just like write an article about it. So I did. I went to BDM, wrote the article, posted the image. And then, and instead of like having an emotional response toward him or like racism or, you know, all these kind of discrimi- discrimination and diversity and inclusion type stuff, I decided to just use it to talk about what we are doing. And the work that we do want to see in the world and the work that all these amazing women's organizations are doing. And I listed the women's organizations in the third, in the article. You um, did, yeah. And so I just, I pushed it to Twitter, you know, like any other medium post that you write. Right. And I didn't, th- I didn't think twice about it. So I noticed that people, you know, I was getting some traction on it and Bumble actually tweeted me back, you know, but I'm thinking, oh, okay, you know, how sometimes if you tweet things, people will say like, oh, thank you, or, you know, we saw, thank you for your mention, or we're sorry you went through that, or something like that. So I'm just thinking it's just a regular post. I didn't even look at it first. And then something was just telling me to look at the post. So I look at the post, and it is one of their content editors, and, and she's just like, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry that you went through this, um, but we love what you're doing. Inbox, you know, send me an inbox message. So I DM her my email. We end up she emails me and says, you know, we don't stand for this kind of thing on our platform. Um, we're sorry that you had to go through this. We're a woman-owned company, and we see that you're a woman-owned company, and we love what you're doing. We want to figure out how we can get involved with what you're doing. Can we sponsor a pitch competition? Can we, um, can you have, you know, see what we can offer mentors? Whatever you want, the ball is in your court. Wow. So from there, I'm just, I see the email, and I'm almost in tears because I'm just like, oh, my God, like, one, my journey as building this movement, like I'm constantly figuring out and pressing for corporate corporate sponsors. And like now I'm looking at engaging like employee resource groups as well, because we learned that through Black Girl Ventures being on internal calendars and being shared internally, that it's actually activating black and brown employees to be able to like feel like they can be a part of the community and what other community work they can do. Yeah. So, um, so then I'm just like, oh, my God, like, I've been really saying, like, if we could just start with one really great corporate sponsor, we could push into some different directions to prove some of the, the cases that we want. Right. So we've been in conversation with them ever since then, and that was about three months ago. So now Bumble is actually, and this would be my first announcement of it, um, Bumble is our one of our official sponsors right now for three pitch competitions. They're sponsoring us for the, the Chicago, Atlanta, and the next DC competition, wow. which are all coming up in October. Wow. Um, Atlanta is October 12th. Chicago is October the 19th. And DC will be October the 26th. Bumble has a Bumble Biz side. So on Bumble, you can look for people you want to date. You can look for people just for friends. And then you can look for professionals. And so we're, we're being sponsored by Bumble Biz, which is the professional side. And the, the awesome thing about it is we're going to make it so that people can find each other at the event by uh, using their proximity. So they can rub up, register for the Bumble Biz app, and then you'll be able to actually connect with people in the room. It will be our official app for the Easy Fish competitions and hopefully beyond because it's such a great tool. And you can find people that you want to hire. You can find people to mentor you. 
you can find people who are doing the work that you're doing just to ask questions of. So it's a powerful um, business, actual professional app um, on that side. That's incredible. And uh, definitely shout out to Bumble Biz, Airhorns for that. And you know what? Also, Shelly, what's really incredible is that what I'm hearing is the fact that you took the time to speak truth to power and not kind of shrink away from one, a frustrating and insulting moment. And you used it as a platform to speak to what you actually, to your point, are doing. So that's amazing. Where can people learn more about Black Girl Ventures? Yeah, you can um, find us at blackgirlventures.org. You can also uh, follow us on Instagram at, at blackgirlventures. You can follow us on Twitter at bgirlventures. And on Facebook, it's facebook.com backslash Okay, that's great. So we're going to make sure that we have all of that in the show notes as well as the Medium link to that amazing post. And we'll make sure to have uh, the Bumble Biz info in there as well. Before we let you go, do you have any shout-outs, any parting words? Yeah, I want to just um, I wanted to just, talk, just mention a couple of our BGV alum who are killing it right now. We have um, Brittany Young who has, um, the name of her company is B360 Baltimore. Um, B360 works with, with uh, kids who ride dirt bikes, because dirt bikes are typically illegal to ride on the street, and she transforms them into engineers by helping them um, learn how to actually fix their dirt bikes and like actually like create 3D helmets and some really cool things. Um, she is now an Echo and Green Fellow and was just featured on the Afropunk stage for their solution session. Uh, we have um, Miracle Olatunji, who just, she, the name of her um, app is Opportunity Me, and she's 18 years old. She plays third in our competition. Her web app helps students find opportunities for scholarships and internships, and she just made it into the Y Combinator Virtual Startup School, which is major. Uh, y Combinator puts out uh, their their incubator that's where Twitter came from and a couple other like Airbnb, like a huge apps that are out right now. So I just want to mention them because they are like doing such great work. And I mean, there's a ton of other women that we work with and serve um, that I'm super proud of and rallying for. So shout out to all the BGV alum and, and check us out. We'll be coming to a city near you soon. Shelly, this has been amazing. I just want to thank you again for taking the time to be on, uh, on the show. We definitely consider you a friend of the pod and we can't wait to have you back. Thank you. This is great. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. I'll talk to you soon. Peace. And we're back. Wow. So shout out to Shelly and Black Girl Ventures. They're addressing such a need. Yeah, and she has so much going on, but we really appreciate her being on the show. Like, Make sure y'all check out the show notes to learn more about Shelly and everything happening over at Black Girl Ventures. Exactly. So... Well, look, up next, we're going to get into our favorite things. Join us. So my favorite thing right now has to be Jamaican food. Sheesh. Let me tell y'all. So good. Rice and beans. <laughs> like just rice and beans. Why is it so good? I did not know something so straightforward could taste so delicious, but it does. So I have this theory. Okay. Stick with me here. All right. That hands down, 
pound for pound, dollar for dollar, taste okay. bud for taste bud. Okay. The diaspora has the most flavorful food in the no, world. I, like the, the entire African diaspora put together just like will punch you in, in, in your taste buds every single time. I just, I really agree with that, right? I mean, because my two other favorite dishes are Thai food and Indian food. Now, I don't know where they land in the diaspora, but I know they're brown, right? Bloop. Yeah, no, it's delicious. And so, shout out to all my real Jamaicans. That's right. Shout out to my Jamaicans. <laughs> As opposed to fake ones. <laughs> As opposed to fake Jamaicans. Shout out to my real Jamaicans out there. Would it be offensive to add some air horns right here? I do not know. Let's like move on from the Rachel Dolezal section. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is it. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and oblige your need for your air horns. Thank you. Sound man, go ahead and drop some air horns specifically for jerk chicken, rice and beans, beef patties, saltfish. You know, I'm about to name the whole Boy. menu. Sound. <laughs> just, just, just drop the air horns. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, just don't run off to Jamaica on me because um, I will join you and never leave the beach. <laughs> All right. So my favorite thing right now, actually, is a book called So Long a Letter by Mariama Bach. Uh, it is uh, one of the very first um, novels by written by a Senegalese woman um, in French, and it is a seminal work in um, African literature, uh, specifically uh, written, particularly written by by, by a woman. Uh, it is an account of um, one woman writing to another. They're both wi- widows and. Uh, written within the context of um, Muslim women in mourning, um, one writing to the other and trying to kind of talk her through this extremely patriarchal process of grief and and trauma. Um, and it's it is a story of of sisterhood. It is a story of anxiety, of motherhood, of grief, of independence, of um, women sustaining each other and obviously this is something maybe not obviously but it's something that appeals to me um, as a feminist and as a woman who one day hopes to to raise strong women um, and who hopes to you know hold my sisters up in the same way so I'm going to use the term woes (laughs) as much as I dislike the (laughs) the originator thereof Um, but I'm certainly going to get a hard copy of So Long a Letter for All My Woes. It, it is very much a book that, that lends itself to having a conversation about what it means to, to have a sisterhood. So uh, that's, that's my favorite great. thing. You went from this high <laughs> of <laughs> let's eat, I'm about it. And I was like, let me tell you about how solemn we need to be right now. <laughs> no, but the juxtaposition is what makes us great. We're like the PB and uh, jelly sandwich of uh, podcasts. Okay, but but first, I don't say of all but first, I need to know what kind of jelly are you? This will make or break Ooh, our relationship. I want you to know this right now. Hashtag jelly bandit. I love jelly. Wow. But let's figure it out. You think you know someone? Goodness. <laughs> I love jelly. Jelly is great. So, and actually, in Houston, uh, there's a jalapeno jelly jalapeno strawberry jelly and it is amazing hashtag 
strawberry game. <laughs> Hashtag strawberry preserves. <laughs> Hashtag you you are just not gay. Like I don't I don't. Do you what? So what? So so that is that is my that is my favorite jelly though. Like what what is your favorite? I feel like I, I'm I'm about to get kicked out the the gang for this, but um. <clears throat> I like fig preserves. Now, hear me out. Fig preserves are good. I like fig preserves. Okay, and just like that, <laughs> you uh, you saved our friendship. That's very funny. Okay. Fig preserves are great. Fig preserves. I have. I made a cornbread once um, with goat cheese, rosemary, and fig preserves. And I know somebody is going to say something along the lines of "Daigi Monster," and <laughs> I want you to know that it was delicious, and I am willing to to take that. I, I'm going to die on that particular hill. Great. Preserves are great. So anyway, I, I do feel as if, mm-hmm. again, I feel as if it's this type of repartee, right? This oh. tit for tat, as it were. Okay. Uh, okay. That makes us special. Sorry. So I appreciate you. Anyway. Uh, appreciate you too. <laughs> thank you all for joining us on the Living Corporate Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Living Corporate, Twitter at Living Corp underscore pod, and subscribe to our newsletter through living-corporate.com. If you have a question you'd like for us to answer and read on the show, make sure you email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. Check us out. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Make sure to check us out on Patreon as well. Again, we're a living corporate, so just pull us up anywhere and you'll find us. That does it for us on this show. This has been Zach. And I'm Ade. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin from Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.